Hey friends, great to be with you from my home into your home as we complete our series called Uncontainable, how to be the type of person that other people want to be around. And I, I hope that you have found this series uh, encouraging and insightful and maybe even a little bit challenging as we evaluate our own actions, as we evaluate our own self in how we respond with hope and joy and peace. You know, we're talking about the type of person that is, is genuine and authentic, but yet not controlled by their emotions or their changing circumstances, right? The type of person who reflects the person and the presence of Jesus in every area of their lives, every area in every arena of their lives. And we've discovered that the Apostle Paul describes this person as hopeful, of joyful, of, and peaceful. The person who fully trusts God in all Things. And we've, we've been really looking at this core text found in Romans 15, 13, which is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And it's really just kind of a prayer as he prays over them. And he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may, here's the word, overflow, right? That you may be uncontainable with, uncontainable with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, week one, we talked about this idea of radiant hope right? Radiant hope is not self-generated optimism or anchored in some kind of changing circumstances, but, but radiant hope is, is anchored in the unchanging character and the promise of God. He was the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same tomorrow. We can rely on him. We can have hope in him. Uh, we talked about infectious joy in week two, that it's not a, this is not an emotion or, or a fleeting happiness, but it's built on hope and based in trust in God. And this joy enables us to endure all the ups and downs of life. And, and last week we talked about the idea of unifying peace. And, and we discussed that peace is not the absence of struggle. It's not the absence of hurt and turmoil. But it's found in our willingness to submit to God's sovereignty. Despite our current situation. And this peace that God gives us, this peace that comes from the Father, is not something that can be taken away. Only something that we can relinquish or give away. And so today we can have peace that it is secure in the gift that God has given us. And so today we're going to wrap up our series and we're going to talk about this idea of being rooted in trust. You see, the idea of hope, joy, and peace, these are really the fruits of of a relationship rooted in trust. I, I love how the prophet Jeremiah, in, in Jeremiah 17, he says this, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made their, the Lord their hope and confidence. Okay, we've made him our confidence. Here he says, They are like trees planted along the river brook, which roots are re uh, reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, or worried by months of drought, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You see, such trees are, 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 aren't focused on the changing circumstances or the unfavorable conditions. These trees bear fruit in hard times and in good times because they are connected to the source that runs down deep. You know, these storms, you've talked about this already, storms of life, they can either topple us over or force us to dive deep, dig deep in our root system to find that source, to find that source of life. 
And Jeremiah is saying these trees that find that source of life, that are connected to the source, that, that, that dig deep, that do the hard work, that because they're connected to the source, they produce fruit in and out of season, in the good times and in the hard times. But we fast forward several hundred years and here's Jesus now on earth and he's referring to himself now as the tree. In Jeremiah 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those who remain in me, and I am them, they will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This idea that if we are to produce hope and joy and peace, not just like a one-off moment, but consistently every day in our life, we need to be connected to the source. And Jesus himself is saying, I am that source. I am the vine. If you stay connected to me in relationship, if your heart is connected to me, you will produce much fruit. And so here we are talking about this idea of trust, rooted in trust, in order to produce the fruit of joy, hope, and peace. So what is trust? Well, trust is not, it's not blind obedience, right? It's not mind control. It's not relinquishing your thoughts and your feelings. St. Augustine says this, he says, God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. But the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. Listen, we're not just, we're not just submitting to him without reason. We, we're, not a, we're not afraid to ask questions. But this idea of our limitless reason, this idea that there are things that we will never fully comprehend or understand, is the very reason why we need faith. You see, trust is established and nurtured over time through what? A personal personal experience. It's the link between belief and behavior, between belief and feelings, between knowledge and experience. And as St. Augustine points out, trust isn't blind and without reason. Therefore, we can ask questions. We can engage in a relationship, in a two-way relationship with God and have honest conversations and honest dialogue as we read, as we read his word. And so this is the same true in, in our relationships and human relationships. And it's the same true in our relationship with God. That we need to build a personal experience. That we, we need to connect it in. And not just sort of blindly obey. But to be able to engage in an honest relationship with the Father. And through experience begin to build trust. And so my deep personal prayer is that these fruits of hope and joy... And, and peace would be evident and abundant in our lives and in our church community. And that we would be people that other people actually want to be around. Not, not run away from. Not like, oh my goodness, here they come. Get out of the way. You know, but actually embrace us and want to be around us. And the goal of this, again, is not to draw attention to ourselves, but to be able to point people to Jesus, the source of hope, joy, and peace. And so whether it is our relationship with God or relationship with others, here is the key. Trust requires trustworthiness, right? Trust requires trustworthiness. Trust is based on this evidence that my past experience has proven that you or the other individual has my best interest at heart. Meaning they care for me the same way I care about me. They, they care about the situation the same, I, the same way I care about the situation. Our trust, our experience has proven that we have this trustworthy relationship. And so here's this honest question. I got an honest question and really just an ob honest observation uh, that I kind of want to talk through here with you today. The honest question is this. Is it possible 
to build trust with someone that you don't really know? Like, is it possible to build a deep-rooted, trusting relationship with someone you actually don't really know? Maybe a base level of trust based on somebody else's references or personal experiences. But, but I've come to learn that if I'm really going to trust someone, like really trust someone with my life or my kids or my future, I mean, I need to know that person. I need to spend some time with that person. I need to build some experience with that person. I need to kind of test them with some small things and extend to build through trust over time. And here's, here's the observation. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it says, the Bible says that the veil of the temple was torn in two. Now, for some of us, that's kind of lost on us if we don't study Jewish history or understand the workings of the temple. But let me just give you a quick synopsis. You see, the Jewish, uh, the, 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 the system that was placed around God's presence was he, they built the temple. And in the pr- temple was the outer courts, the inner courts, and then the holy of holies. And the outer courts were for everybody. The inner courts were for the Jewish people only. And the holy of holies was for the high priest. And once a year on the day of atonement, the high priest, one man, for one day a year, would go into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And this was only after they went through a huge purification ceremony. And they just made sure that they were clean, that they were without sin and without blemish. Um, that they were pure in the eyes of God, holy in the eyes of God. And even still, they would put uh, uh, bells around their ankle and tie a rope around their ankle because if the bell stopped ringing, maybe he was struck dead and so they'd have to pull him out. And so all throughout the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds of years, people only got to know about God through the high priest's personal experience with God. And, And God used prophets Jeremiah, we talked about him already, where where he spoke to these prophets and the prophets would then uh, communicate on behalf of God to people. But most of the people in the Old Testament weren't afforded the relationship you and I have with God. So in the New Testament, Jesus now dies as the ultimate purification. He paved the way and made us all pure because of his death death and resurrection. Now, we have all been entered into the presence of God. And the veil of the temple was was torn into basically ushering us that we can all have this individual relationship, this personal relationship with God anytime, any day, because the debt has already been paid. But here's the thing. Many of us, we settle for an Old Testament relationship with God. We settle for just coming to church on Sunday and learning about God through our pastor's experience, or maybe our parents' personal experience, or maybe a friend's personal experience, but we don't ever engage in a personal one-on-one relationship with God. And we kind of forfeit the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross so that you and I can have that personal growing relationship with God. Now, I, I try to put my head I- into the place, or try to put my, 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 my uh, head in the place, yeah, of all those in the Old Testament who would have died to have the kind of relationship that you and I are afforded, yet for so many, we just disregard it as common and as ordinary, and we take it for granted. And so if we're supposed to build a trusting relationship with God, if we're supposed to trust in God as the source of hope, the source of joy, the source of peace, then we need to have a nurturing and growing relationship with God, don't you think? If we want to really trust Him with our lives, with our finances, with our livelihood, with our families? Don't you think we should build a relationship with God that is trustworthy? Where we get to know Him and allow Him to get to know us? 
And this is this relationship. So instead of living by rituals and rules, we can engage in relationship and trust and faith, the values of a true and healthy relationship. I love the writer of Hebrews. He says, let us come boldly into the throne room of God. Let us come boldly. We can come boldly into his presence, not because of anything we have done, but because of the death and the resurrection, the sacrifice, the atonement that was paid for us on our behalf through Jesus. And so we have this opportunity to get to know Jesus. But many of us, if we're honest, we sacrifice and we just settle for going about God. See, I can let you know all about my wife, Wendy. I can tell you all of her characteristics and all of her features and all of her strengths and all of her weaknesses. And you may be able to go regurgitate that to somebody else and talk about, you know, this is Pastor Adam's wife and this is who she is and this is what she likes and this is what she looks like. And, but until you actually know her, you don't really know for yourself. And so we're invited into this relationship not just to know about God, but to know God personally and intimately because trust, here it is, Trust requires trustworthiness, right? But trustworthiness requires relationship, right? If we are to build trustworthy trustworthiness, we need relationship, we need experience, we need that personal dynamic to get to know one another, one another. It was several years ago that I was in a I would say I was in a pretty funky space, if I'm going to be honest with you. Life was pretty tough. It was probably 2016. We were just kind of in this season of trying to figure transition out, trying to figure life out. We felt God was pulling us into a new direction, but I didn't fully understand all that was going on. And if I were to be honest with you, my relationship with Jesus at this time was pretty stale. Uh, maybe if I were to be a little more vulnerable, it was probably professional and... Um, Stagnant. It was just. It just wasn't. It was distant. We just weren't connecting the same way. I, I knew what I had to do. You know, as as a as a young pastor, someone who went to Bible college, I knew that I should be in the Bible every day and reading God's word and engaging relationship. But I just sort of kind of fell into the form of working for a church and and being a professional. And I had kind of lost that personal relationship with God. And I felt that, but I didn't. I wasn't able to articulate that at the time. Anyways, I was in a pretty funky space and was trying to understand what God was doing and, and how we were, where we were supposed to go. And, and while that was going on, I was full of worry and full of anxiety. And I came home one day after a long day of work and just being frustrated. And my son, who was probably eight or nine at the time, was out shooting pucks in the driveway as he kind of sort of did at that time of his life. It was just always out there shooting pucks, shooting pucks. I come home. And he's there, and I'm like, hey, son, how you doing? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. We're having this conversation. And then I notice for a moment on his hockey stick, he's got it taped all up, and then writing on the top of the kind of the nub of the stick, he wrote T-I-T-L. And it kind of struck me. I was like, what's that? So I asked him, I said, what does that mean? And just nonchalantly, with, without even really considering it, he just says, trust in the Lord. Now, I don't know if you've ever had these moments where you ask a pretty seemingly innocent question and your eight-year-old child gives you an answer pretty seemingly innocent, but in that innocent moment, you just kind of get hit through the, it's like hit through the eyes, you know, or hit in the heart. In this moment, I just felt like God just spoke to me and said, yes, <laughs> idiot. What are you trying to do this on your own strength for? What are you trying to do this in your own, in your own gift set for? What are you trying to do this in your own network for? Trust in me. 
and so you know unbeknownst to hunter at the time i kind of got i had to kind of pick myself up a little bit and i went and i opened proverbs 3 verse 5 that read trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight now this is a verse I knew and I read growing up. It's it's a verse I used to lead, learn in we college for crying out loud. But for some reason I missed it. For some reason I forgot it because the relationship with God, my personal relationship with God had become dry, had become stagnant and I was trying to do it in my own strength. And so as we are in this season, as life is uncertain around us, my prayer is that we would not forsake the relationship that we have been afforded through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus, that you don't have to just get to know about Jesus through me. Trust me, you want more experience. You want the personal relationship with God. We're all trying to figure this thing out together. But it starts with a trusting, growing relationship. And so there's a few things as we look at this scripture real quick that I want to draw out and lean in together as we try to figure out this trusting relationship. What does this actually look like? Now, the idea, the thing is interesting, I just kind of even kind of re-saw for the first time, was that the trust this proverb was written by King Solomon. Now, if you don't know who King Solomon was, King Solomon was the son of King David. King David was kind of like, you know, the hero who struck Goliath down with a stone, slinging a stone. But Solomon was known as the wisest king who ever lived. The wisest person, really, who ever lived. He was also known as the richest person who ever lived. He had wealth. Uh, he, had he had position. He had power. He had influence. Kings and queens would send their scholars and their scribes un to sit under his wisdom and his leadership and his, his teachings so they could grow in wisdom and stature. Like, King Solomon was the man. He had it all figured out. And, and normally, in, a, in most kings, and this is not just true to then then but this is true today when you're the ultimate authority of your country who you don't say trust in somebody else you you ask people to trust in who you trust in me follow me i'm the final authority i am the final word as the king of this country as the king of this nation i am the final authority and we see that this is not just an old time old testament reality this happens with power power wants more power and they want it to themselves but solomon in this season, in this moment, what does it, what's the very first thing he says? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He wasn't trusting in his wealth or his power or his position, his influence or his wisdom. But he understood where his true power, his true trust lies. And no doubtedly, he saw this and he learned this from his father David. As David was a king and he witnessed how David led under the fear and the, and, the, and the obedience, following an obedience to God's word and God's decree. And Solomon noticed this and he amplified, and he, and he, and he, and he, uh, amplified that in his own life, in his own leadership, in his own kingship. So his trust was firmly placed in God. And I just find that really interesting because how many times do you and I try to put our trust in our position or our, our, our finances or our home or our security or, or our influence in our community? We try to find trust in those things. And this is Solomon who had all of those things and more than you and I could ever imagine. And he recognized that those things are fleeting. Those things don't last. That our true trust 
And our true security comes in the Lord, is in the Lord. And then he keeps going on and he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Interesting. You see, we've been talking about joy, hope, and peace, that these are fruits of our life rooted in trust, but they're also rooted to a person, that they're rooted to God, that these aren't just emotions, these aren't just fickle things, but these are something bigger than our emotions. They're, they're something bigger than our, our changing circumstances. But yet Solomon refers to trust in the heart, which is really the, 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 the center of all of our emotions, isn't it? The, the, our heart is sort of a thing that's like we can't trust the most because it's constantly shifting and, and, and blowing around with the wind depending on what's going on. But Solomon says, actually, you actually need to trust your heart in this because there's a certain level of faith that is required in trusting God. I mean, the heart speaks to a certain level of faith, a willingness to leap without knowing all the details, a willingness to step in faith, a willingness to trust even though you don't fully know. Interesting. So we're not talking about head knowledge here. We're talking about something that's much deeper, that trust is sort of part of our gut feeling, our gut response to following after God. The African Impala, many of you may have already heard this or, or knew about this, this African Impala, it's almost like a gazelle or a deer type of creature. It can jump up to like 30 meters or 30 feet at a single leap. Like this is beautiful, majestic creature. But yet it can be contained in a local zoo with a three foot wall. Simply because it will not jump unless it knows where it's gonna land, unless it sees where it's gonna land. And, and how, how true is that to us? That, that we, we'll, we'll trust as long as we know where we're going to step. God, I'll trust you as long as you tell me what I'm walking into. Well, that's not trust, is it? That's just common sense. But trust requires a certain level of faith. And Solomon is speaking to this. He says, listen, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your emotions, with all of your faith. It's not always going to make sense. As I go back to the story I had with Hunter, we were in this season where we felt God was calling us out, where God was asking us to relinquish our position at this church that we had loved and we still love and to move on to something that we actually didn't really know what, but we just knew the season was coming to a close. And like a good, diligent dad and husband and provider, I was trying to find a job in order before I left a job. I wanted to find a new source of income before I left my source of income. That seems logical. That seems responsible. But in this process, doors just kept on shutting, and I felt God saying to me over and over again, you need to let go first. You need to let go. Empty what's in your hand first and let me feel it. Trust me. Now, I have spoken on trust. I have encouraged other people to trust God with their future and their finances and their family. But I tell you what, there's a big difference in, tr in telling other people to trust God than actually walking it out, activating your faith and actually trusting God yourself and putting the future of your family, your kids, in the hands of God. And I, lear I learned real quick in that moment that I'm not so sure I actually trust God until that moment. I thought I did and maybe we were building up little moments of experience and ultimately I had to come to the place to say, God, I trust you as my ultimate source. You are the one I'm relying on, not my job. And so through conversation with Wendy, through a lot of prayer and a little trepidation, a little bit of nervousness, we decided to resign not knowing what was going to come next. And I tell you what, it was the scariest thing we ever did. But as we look back, 
it was one of the most stretching things we've ever done. It built our faith and our trust in God. And God was faithful. Several months later, we got a job. That's what moved us here to Ottawa. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Where are you connected? Where are you? Who are you relying on? It's one thing to say you trust in God. It's another thing to actually do it. So heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then he carries on. He says, lean out in your own understanding. So he's talking about the other side of this. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't get it. Sometimes I don't see it. I don't understand it. And Solomon, as wise as he was, he's saying, don't rely on reason alone. Sometimes it's bigger than that. Sometimes you're, it's bigger than your ability to comprehend. I mean, we're not God. We, we don't see you know, the beginning from the end the way that God sees it. Sometimes it's bigger than what we can comprehend. And here's what I've grown to realize. He said, when we try to rationalize God, we actually begin to minimalize God. Listen, when we try to rationalize God and bring him down to our level of understanding, what we actually do is we minimize who God is in our life. And therefore, God actually ceases to become God. And so in trying to understand them, in trying to bring them all down and rationalize them, we actually minimizing our, our, who God is and really our ability to trust in Him. God is bigger than us, and at some point we have to be okay with that. At some point we have to be okay with that there are things in life that God is asking us to do. There are things in life that happen that we don't fully understand, but because we trust in the sovereignty of God, we follow after Him regardless. And this isn't blind obedience. This isn't faith without reason, but our limited faith at our limited amount of reason, as St. Augustus says, is re- requires us to have faith. And this is where we are at. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then he carries on, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, submit to him. And this goes back to this idea of circling back to the type of relationship we have with God. Are we rooted? Are we connected to the source? Are we growing in a personal relationship with Jesus? Has he proven to yourself trustworthy? Maybe in the small things, but you're building these personal experiences that are leading you to a personal growing and trusting relationship with God. King David, in part of his journey, he was always on the run, it felt like. He was always at odds with somebody for it felt like. But this one scripture, he says this, in moments of trouble, in moments of discouragement, in Psalm 18, he says, the Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my shield and my God and my my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield and the power that saves me. My place of safety. Translation here, God is the one I put my trust in. He is the one I submit to. He is the one I rely on. He is the one I fall underneath. He is the one I look to. He is my source of strength in times of trouble. I've experienced his trustworthiness time and time again, and I know him to be trustful and trustworthy today and tomorrow. I can trust in him. So we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways we submit to him and he will make our paths straight. And so here's just something I've, come to realize and this is something I want you to understand and maybe even remember I heard this not too long ago and has resonated in my heart in relation to this scripture it says this understanding can wait but obedience cannot understanding can wait but obedience cannot 
You see, try, so many times we, we, we want to obey, but we don't want to obey until we understand. And so we try to get all of our ducks in a row. We try to do, be due diligent. And we put all good words around it. We're, we're being good stewards. We're being, good, we're being diligent. We're asking the right questions. And sometimes delayed obedience is actually disobedience. In, in according to understand all the ducks and understand everything along the way, we're actually being disobedient. We're not actually trusting in God. And I'm not saying be naive about this. I'm saying we need to be obedient to the idea, to the voice of God. When God is leading us, when we feel God direct us, we need to trust his word. And that's why we need to know his voice and understand his word and what aligns with him. We can't just do this on blind obedience. We need to engage in honest relationship. But understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. And if you're like me, you can look back and see that understanding becomes clearer as we get further down the road, as we begin to look back and see, oh, I didn't understand it then, but I start to see now why you led me this way or why you asked us to do that or why you told us to let that go or hold on to this. Understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. You see, here is biblical trust. Biblical trust is an act of obedience in a relationship with a trustworthy God. Biblical trust is an act of obedience in our relationship with a trustworthy God. You see, when we're obedient, obedience is our responsibility, rather. Outcome is God's. We're, we're not responsible for what comes next. We're only responsible for what He's asked us to do today. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is His I heard this quote from Corey Ten Boom, who was a Holocaust survivor in, in a concentration camp. And as she came out, and obviously she viewed and witnessed horrific events, and her story is just heartbreaking. But as she comes out of this, as she was rescued and just released kind of last minute before really the demise of so many that she knew, she wrote this. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And, and here's where the circles back to that first question we asked is, how can you build trust with someone that you don't really know? The more, more, po more pointed question is, is your relationship with Jesus known or unknown? Is, is it somebody else's? Is it inherited? Is it built through somebody else's personal experience? Is it based on reference alone? Or do you have a personal growing relationship with Jesus? Have you, are you embracing this, rela this relationship that he died on the cross for that you and I are invited to have? Or are you settling for a relationship that's found through somebody else's personal experience? See, Corey Ten Boom know, knew that you can only trust your future, your unknown future, to a known God. So if you don't know God, then the future is even more scary. And we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, Jeremiah says, who have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about the months of drought, but their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. This is my prayer for you. It's my prayer for us as a community that we would be people who never stop producing the fruit of hope, joy, and peace. That we in turn would be people that other people want to be around. That we would be infectious 
that we'd be contagious, that we'd be uncontainable as we continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord, personally, individually, and collectively. And because of His work in us first, we begin to overflow the person and the presence of Jesus in our lives. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. It's been my prayer for this whole series. And as I look towards the future, that my prayer would echo the prayer of Paul, that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so two questions today as we bring this to a close. The first question today is this, is do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Maybe you've heard about Him. Maybe you've heard about Him, but you don't actually know Him. Can I invite you to embrace a relationship with Jesus? All you have to do is just accept him and say, God, I, I need you. I, I, I recognize my need for you and I need you in the, the Lord of my life, to be the Lord of my life, to forgive me of my sins, to make me whole and invite me into a growing relationship with you. That's all you need to do. And, and as you start that journey, you begin to learn about him and grow in him and, and your life begins to transform as you follow after him. But it all starts with this awareness and this recognition that we need Jesus, that we need to have a relationship with Him. Secondly, if you have a relationship with Him, do you know Him? Are you settling for a relationship that's maybe stagnant or dry, maybe a little bit casual? Maybe God is asking you in this moment to build a trusting relationship with Him as you read God's Word, as you engage in prayer, as you talk with uh, about Him with other believers and grow in your relationship and your knowledge of Jesus through personal experience that your trust would be rooted in him be rooted in him the source of hope the source of joy the source of peace and that together we will continue to grow in him that's my prayer and that's my charge for you today are you with me i i, I just believe that there's so much that can happen if we as followers of jesus commit to knowing him personally i just believe there's so much that we can see and do in our community that we haven't even yet to begin to understand or fathom or even imagine that God wants to use us as we submit ourselves to him and know him and allow him to overflow in our lives that we will make a holy mess as we overflow with the love and the character and the presence of God that's what's going to happen and that's what Concarda needs that's what our community needs that's what our schools need and our workplaces need. That's what our home needs is not more things, not more rituals, not more duties, not more uh, uh, do's and don'ts, but a life that is birthed in the relationship with Jesus and trusted relationship with Jesus that we can produce the fruit of Jesus in season and out of season, in good times and in hard times because of who we are connected to. So let's lean in and engage and open God's word and grow individually, but also collectively. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that you are faithful to us. Even in our, faith, in our unfaithfulness, you are incredibly faithful. And God, we do pray that as we open your word, as we lean into you, God, that you would reveal yourself to us personally and individually. God, that we would build a relationship that trusts you through personal experiences. As we get to know you, God, we get to rely on you and lean into you and, and trust you and hear your voice and follow after you. Help us, oh God, in this journey that we may represent you well. May you overflow with hope and joy and peace in us so that we may direct people back to you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. 
Amen. If you've made that decision to follow Jesus and you want to invite him into your heart, can you do me a favor? Can you text ACCEPT to the number on the screen? We would love to follow up with you and give you the resources you need to start this growing relationship with Jesus. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the one that has eternal consequences and eternal rewards. And we are so excited that you made that decision. God bless you. And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.